Hey, baseball fans, Brendan here. Welcome to Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly serving of dingers and zingers. This week, we discuss the Nolan Arenado trade, among other offseason moves, Ken Griffey Jr.'s return to baseball, and the fate of Kurt Schilling's Hall of Fame chances. This episode is quite a doozy, so stick around, guys. I don't know about you, Brendan, but like for Yankee fans, like this loss was bad. Like losing Tanaka was yeah, like, it hurts. It was like wild. It was widely reported that it was going to be either Lemayhu or Tanaka. No, but I, mo- more recent reports said that it was really between it, because we got Kluber, we weren't getting Tanaka because the eleven million. That's true. Kluber okay. was really the problem. That, okay. Tanaka Loki signed not Tanaka Kluber. Um, not Kluber. Now, now you got me all mixed up. Tyon? No, not Tyon. Who was I just talking about? Alex Wood. <laughs> I, Tanaka? I don't like that guy. No, sorry. Lemayhu signed for under market value AAV wise. So that actually, we like didn't spend too much money per year on on Lemayhu. Kluber for eleven though, on one year was the expense that I think put them down in the coffin for Tanaka, which is super sad because like that's our. Uh, he's basically the bridge between like the really old Yankee teams after we won the ring and then the more recent Yankee teams where totally, like, Oh my God, you're totally right. Like he's our last, he was the longest tenured Yankee aside well, from Gardner. Gardner too. Yeah. Yeah. And we, now and it's Aaron Hicks. He doesn't count. <laughs> now it's Aaron Hicks, which is insane. With, uh, without Brett Gardner, we signed. I think Aaron Hicks is the longest yeah, tenured Yankee. No way. He is. Yeah, he's been around I, since I, what? I saw, 20... I saw that tweeted out like a few weeks ago. Yeah. 2015? I texted it. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron Hicks is the longest. Think about it. Who else is longer? Who, who no, else I know, I know. I agree with that. But I'm just, wow, that is so, I mean, you're, I guess that old. is like George Steinbrenner, and it's also not like George Steinbrenner no, at all. I know, like, well, they, Daniel Murphy retired. I mean, like, I'm, I'm, we're old, I'm old, too. Yeah. The, well, it's, it's not even the fact hard. that, it's not even the, the fact that, oh, we're aging baseball fans. It, it's the fact that the Yankees' MO for so long was to sign guys who were 32 years old. And now that's completely changed. But at the same time, there's still a lot of new faces that are always coming up. So it, it goes with Steinbrenner's philosophy of signing old vets, but also building a farm system. Like that's not even in the dead guy's vocabulary. The well, that was man. old. That was the old Steinbrenner. This is his son, Hal, who it's not even Hal. Hal's the puppet. It's all it's all cash, man. Cash, well, cash money. Cashman, well, Cashman worked under George Steinbrenner too. Yeah, I know, and he was he for like silence. In years, <laughs> he was yeah. censored. So, so Hal's like Brian Cashman, kind of be more, be more the GM that he wants to be. Yes. Not like, well, yes. I would, I would, I would even go farther. Cashman isn't like a normal GM though. Cashman, like Matt is saying, is is one of the most powerful GMs. Like he has really no leash. Like maybe now he does a little bit with money. That's like the he's only- probably he's probably the longest tenured and thus the GM with the most reputation in the league. Like I'm I'm trying to think of like everybody. Oh, at least with one team because Dombrowski's been around team, for a while, and so is Loki Epstein. Not as long as Cashman, but he's been in the league for a while now too. No, but Ep- Epstein's like forty. Like yeah, but think about what he's accomplished at the age of forty. No, but I'm not. Uh, yeah, but what I'm saying is, who's been around the longest? Dombrowski's definitely one, but Cashman's been around the Yankees, but not, but not yeah. continuous. They've yeah. breaks. But Dombrowski's been around. Bears I mean, I mean, well. multiple teams. But but Cashman's been around with the Yankees since 1998. So 
I think not, he does, I'm not I'm not saying that he runs the league, but like he has a lot of great relationships with a lot of general managers, which is how he's able to pull off the stuff that he pulls off. And he also just knows what he's doing. So letting Tanaka go, I mean, I'm sure he had t- the tie-on idea f- a- ages ago. Well, it was it, he wanted tie-on and um, the one on the uh, Musgrove. He wanted tie-on and Musgrove in a trade together earlier last year. So he's been the wheels have been spinning for tie-on for years now. That's what so, I'm yeah, saying. He it, yeah, well, he totally saw he totally saw number one that Tanaka would be more interested in going back to Japan than to sign anywhere but the Yankees, and also the fact that the Yankees were probably not going to be able to re-sign him when his seven-year contract was up. Yeah, because he was making like 20-plus million dollars, so yeah. he's definitely not the type of pitcher that they signed you know, seven years ago. He's the, he's still a mid-rotation serviceable starter, but they noticed declines you know, in his performance in the playoffs, and they weren't comfortable giving him like a big, you know, even giving him like a $5 million salary cut. Like Tanaka wasn't, you know, they had better alternatives that they can get for cheaper. And then once LeMahieu was brought back, you know, it's kind of a matter of time. I'm surprised Tanaka didn't get more interest from other teams, even though Tanaka has said that he only wanted to go back to New York or Japan. But I know it's funny, you know, Tomoyuki Sugano, who also was rumored to come to MLB from Japan, uh, ended up re-signing with his team. And now Tanaka going back to Japan. So we lost two Japanese pitchers, you know, Tanaka and Sugano, both going to Japan. Uh, both rumored for both New York teams, Mets and Yankees. So I mean, it both proves and disproves the idea that baseball is a global game because, like, I don't think you got that much money from. I don't think you got that much money from the. No, it's a comfort thing. Yeah, but what I wasn't. W- well, make your point about global bullshit, Matt. <laughs> Go. <laughs> what I'm saying is that this proves and disproves the fact that baseball is a global game, in the sense that. The, the network of, of leagues around the world gives an opportunity for anyone from, I mean, the, the countries with the biggest baseball uh, sort of fandom or just league in general to succeed in their home country. But at the same time, like the MLB is, is the rock that holds the industry together. So Sugano probably could have gotten a lot more had he, had he accepted whatever contract he was going to accept in Major League Baseball and then play that out, and then maybe he would have been better and gotten a much bigger deal. Whereas in Japan, he's, he's only going to... Like, the, the markets are totally different. It's totally, totally different. And, I mean, you could talk antitrust and all of that, but that's not really the conversation that we're having right now. It It's just interesting, as, as Brendan pointed out, two big Asian stars are going back to the the country where it started at all for them so it's more, it's more common now you see players all the time that are going yeah. to japan for one or two year stints and then they come back to the major leagues like a few years later once eric they Thames. establish their value eric Thames, adam jones uh even more recently i think um like chris flexen signed like a two-year deal with the mariners after we went to japan and had a pretty solid year so there's more i think well someone i think like didn't someone else sign japan like there was a pitcher too. I can't remember who it was though. There was a there was a major league pitcher that just got signed recently. These are like known MLB players. That <laughs> I wouldn't group. be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Ichiro was assigned as a pitcher in Japan and then he won the Japanese equivalent of the Cy Young. I really wouldn't be surprised. No, but players, it's more common to go to Japan. You know, go for two or three years. Maybe the talent pool is a little bit less, but 
you can reestablish your value and come back. So Tanaka, he's not a spring chicken, but he still has like mileage, I think, in his arm. So yeah, uh, your deal. Hirano or what's his name? The the free Asian reliever that signed from Japan to like Arizona a couple years ago was like thirty five. Yeah, yeah. So Tanaka could come back and maybe pitch like I don't know. He's pretty effortless in his delivery, and he's his UCL has been held, holding up. So yeah, maybe he I comes mean, back in two, in two years along with Sugano. He's not a fast forget. Pitcher. Well, okay, but people forget what Tanaka was when the Yankees signed him. Much better. <laughs> Well, that power but, pitcher, he changed. You're right. Yeah. yeah he, he threw totally 97 in his first start on the Yankees and he had a 3.1 ish G, uh, GPA me. He had a 3.1 <laughs> ERA in his first year or 3.2 wow. ERA. He was disgusting. He tore his UCL. He rehabbed it. He changed completely. And what do you know? He, he gets his, he, he never had an ERA really that ugly. He had one bad ERA his whole career. His ERA in his career is like a 3.6. He's more than serviceable at the place he is right now in his arm. So yeah. he could go to Japan, come back and be a, and be very useful. Where he can go to Japan and, and live out his life in Japan. I'm sure it's fun. Can I ask, can I ask, first of all, our resident medical expert, Logan Strobing, what is a UCL? <laughs> Okay, so a UCL is the ligament in your elbow, right? Yeah, it's the ligament that connects um, your ulna and your radius. I want to say, cool. and it's just two bones in your arm. Yeah, so, no, I knew that. I just yeah, I wanted right. to just confirm what that you, does. You, oh, Eric Thames resigned in Japan. Interesting. Oh, <laughs> how how topical. Okay, oh, so he went he went from the MLB to Japan back to MLB to the MLB and to Japan. Back to Japan. Yeah. It's it, hey, also, you know. It's he still a reputable to... league. I don't know, whatever. Godspeed, Derek. But um, yeah, you Wait, tear Derek? From... No, Eric. I said Eric. Oh, I thought you said Derek. No, check the film, bro. But you tear check it by with a, like a, a torsional motion, a twisting of the arm. That's why you get a lot of like slider pin curveball pitchers tearing it. Yeah. Or vice versa, wear and tear type tears, which was a mouthful, which is more what Tanaka did when you just throw a ton of fastballs really, really hard. You could you know, go down that path. But a partial tear, uh, as we know, does not always result in Tommy John. Some pitchers opt for it. Tanaka didn't. And it changed his entire philosophy of pitching. And he's, I don't want to say he's better for it, but he certainly aged really well. So going forward, I think he'll be fine. Whereas um, I believe that's the same injury. I think Verlander just had this, no? And he was Tommy better. John. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, so if he, he needs Tommy John surgery, then it sounds like it. Well, no. So he he was gonna rehab it, and then he like tried to come back, Verlander, and then he was like, "No, I'm gonna Tommy John." Well, Tommy John is like when you completely tear off your UCL. I think Tanaka. I think Seth Lugo has a similar thing where part they're partially their UCL is torn, but right. Still, but like, you can get Tommy it. John with a partially torn because like you can, okay. you can but get people both. don't. You don't. Ha- it's not urgent. So like that's why Tanaka didn't. But I don't like. I don't know if like I'm remembering this correctly, but I remember. Like people were really mad at Tanaka when he tried to rehab it because we were scared. Like we we thought he was gonna get injured any given year, and it's weird because that those fears are completely erased. Like I don't ever worry about Tanaka. He actually is the sixth most innings out of any pitcher since he came into the league. That's how's that for a stat? That makes no sense, but I also do believe it a little bit. It's true. I everyone gets injured up. now. Yeah, and or it just seems first? like it. Verlander is number one at age thirty-seven. And that he missed sense. the last 60 innings of baseball. I agree. 
Also, can I just point out the fact that Tanaka's ERA is super inflated because he gave up six runs on like two thirds innings pitched in London? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so also is it, that so like three is, uh, Adam Adovino. Uh, I agree. Yes. Uh, you want to yourself already, in the back right now for that also? We're already talking. We already know Adovino is going to be an all-star next year. We don't have to talk about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about. All right. Let's talk about all the trades and signings that I called. Okay. I'll, I'll, can we start with, let's start with the half one first. So I called the fact that the Cubs would sign an outfielder. I thought it was Marcelo Zuna, but Wait, turns out credit for that. What? Yeah, I agree. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that I get credit Jeez. for them predicting Jock Peters for them signing Jock Peterson. I'm just saying, I was like, the Cubs maybe should get an outfielder. And then guess what they did. So, so that's like, that's like a half, right? The ones I absolutely, the ones I absolutely 100% in every sense of the word called Adovino to the Red Sox first trade Yankees Red Sox in 1998. And I called it. And then the big boy Arenado to St. Louis. Oh my goodness! I That's agree. from our uh, course effect yeah. episode, our NLS, our NLS preview. preview episode. It's about thirty-four minutes in. Go listen to it. The fact that I called the Arenado trade, MLB it Network made sense. Hire me. It made sense the whole way through. I'll be it honest. did make sense. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because the Cardinals have like, I don't know what their deal is, but they just like they cherry pick these big time bats off the trade market like it's their job. Like Marcelo Zuna, they gave up pretty much nothing. They pretty much gave up nothing for Marcelo Zuna a few years back. But that Uh, was the fire sale. That was that was the big Miami fire sale. So we kind of knew that they were going to get that much. Yeah, no, you're right. But still, like the Cardinals, they don't really sign free agents to you know superstar free agents, but they will go and trade and re-sign their own players. So Goldschmidt, two years ago, they traded Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver. Resigned Goldsmith to a mega deal. Now they're doing it again. They're back at it and getting Nolan Arenado. Uh, hopefully, it's this trade's official by the time this podcast comes out. But this was agreed to, I believe, Friday night. And the Rockies are kicking in fifty million dollars in this trade as well, which makes so no sense. So yeah, so I think fun. the Cardinals are on the hook for six years and one hundred and fifty million. Uh, There's a lot Aaron, of contingencies with this, though. This is a super complicated trade. Yeah, there are yeah. like extra opt-outs that could happen and like additional money that could be thrown onto the deal. So Deferred it's not to say that there's he, a lot of unknowns. Yeah. It's just there's a lot of things that Arenado can accept and cannot accept that could just change the general structure of the contract. So here's the rumor is that Arenado is going to keep his opt-out for after 2021, and he's going to get an additional opt-out after 2022. So two opts. So basically the Cardinals will have him for a minimum of a year if he opts out and he has one more chance to opt out after 2022. So the Cardinals could, he could opt out and resign the Cardinals or who knows a lot of possibilities can play out, but the the Cardinals gave up virtually nothing in terms of their their top end prospects to get Arenado here. So even if they have Arenado for only a year or two, it's definitely worth it. I think, you know, uh, their pitcher, Matt Libertor, uh, Nolan Gorman, their third base process prospect, uh, Dilson Carlson, their outfield stud, all not in this trade. So the Cardinals pretty much are getting a MVP top five, top 10 player in the league on a hall of fame trajectory. Basically the second coming of Matt holiday. I know like they you know, play different positions, but you know, the Cardinals got uh holiday 
halfway through, you know, his prime and resign him for the rest of his career. So a similar thing could happen to Arenado. And hopefully he follows more of the um, the Hot Matt Holiday trajectory than the Troy Tulowitzki trajectory, where he pretty much like uh, fell off dramatically after going to the Blue Jays. So Arenado, man, uh, he really doesn't get much attention because of his down 2020, but also plays in Colorado. Well, because he signed an extension only like two years ago, like in spring training of 2019, and he was promised by the GM on a handshake agreement that they would build around him. Sound familiar? Like Giancarlo Stanton, like signing an extension and like requesting a trade a year later because their ownership didn't want to have. No, it happens a lot. But like these players keep falling for it where these, you know, mid to low market. All right. I don't know if you should blame the players. I think you should blame the owners. I'll, I, I agree with Brennan saying, but I'll flip it a little bit. The players fall for it, but let's, let's not say that they're falling for it and let's acknowledge why they're falling for it. When a guy offers you $250 million for the status quo. What are you going to say? No. Yeah. You take the money exactly. and then because players have not so much power compared to um, NBA, but players do have some cards in the, in the, in their hand. Well, Scott Boris does, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. You could, you could play your hand in such a way that you get moved to your team of choice. And it was well-documented that, uh, Arenado is very high on the Cardinals that came out in a tweet. I think it was passing, of course, but like he, he wanted to be there. He's happy to be there. I don't think he's going to opt out. He's also making a lot of money. So like, I don't know how much more he could get on the open market. It's, it's pretty sexy. I mean, they literally just traded for like the, one of the best players in the MLB gave up nothing. And this fills the third base hole that they have literally perpetually needed to fill like I thought like four years ago, they were going to trade for Donaldson. That was like in my head, the most obvious big time move. It took them four years and then they got a better guy. So like props to the cards. I'm extremely excited about this one. Yeah. I think that um, Arenado's strength is, well, I, I think it's really multifaceted and that's why he's such a good player. The Matt Holiday arc works because, it was, it's literally the same transaction going from the Rockies to the Cardinals. But the best comp for me with Arenado is my favorite player of all time in Mike Schmidt, a guy who could hit for tons of power and a guy whose glove is absolutely immaculate. Um, obviously, moving out of course Field, we'll see what happens if he goes the way of Troy Tulowitzki or the way of DJ LeMayhew. But I'm super excited for Arenado to get a new start. He's also probably batting next to Paul Goldschmidt in the order, who is my second favorite player in baseball right now uh, behind Arenado. So very excited to be a St. Louis Cardinals fan for the foreseeable future. Um, But let's get real for a sec, right? This is this trade is half about Arenado leaving the Rockies and half about the Cardinals trying to pounce on a pretty weak, but overall competitive national league central and this is a really good team with a mix of great youth and great veterans, but the the youth really have to shine. Goldschmidt and Arenado can only do so much, but Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, and Harrison Bader need to improve drastically for this team to be able to compete and to guarantee what Arenado has wanted for so long, and that's playoff success. Very fair. The NL Central is wide open right now with the Cubs shedding payroll and trading you Darvish and possibly Chris Bryant as well. 
Uh, the Brewers took a step back last year. You know, Christian Yelich got uh, well. Lorenzo Cain opted out, and Christian Yelich had a down year. Was kind of banged up. So the Cardinals, they were pretty quiet the entire offseason and really were until this week when they brought back uh, Adam Wainwright and then also swinging this trade for Nolan Arenado. And then it's very likely they're going to re-sign Yadier Molina too. So the band will be, will be, will be back together. And Nolan Arenado, I don't know if it makes him a, you know, a favorite in the National League as a whole, but definitely in the NL Central, they definitely need some internal improvement from guys like Matt Carpenter and Dexter Fowler, who they still have locked to long-term deals. Uh, yeah. So I really like the move a lot. Um, it's a fantastic Arenado move. and Goldschmidt. Uh, if they do hang on to Arenado post his opt-outs, uh, we'll see how both Arenado and Goldschmidt age together. Cause you know, having two mega contracts for two corner infielders until their mid thirties is not, you know, a super great way for a middle market team to like have payroll flexibility, but Arenado and Goldschmidt, uh, you know, no signs of regression or falling off quite yet. Um, Arenado had a- power. I mean, Goldschmidt's power numbers might be like a little bit gone, but the average was up this past year. Yeah. So and that's really what you care about last year. People, they're, people they're both on. really good defenders too. And very athletic guys. Um, Arenado's numbers, like Matt said, might go down a little bit, but I mean, his OPS for his career is 890. So, like, let's say he goes to St. Louis and his OPS goes to, like, 820 and still has, like, a, a gold glove caliber defense. Like, not even gold glove. Like, the premium. Doesn't he have, like, the premium? Like, he's a four-time platinum. Pl- he's a four-time platinum, platinum. A, a yeah. glove award winner. Yeah, so if he has, like, you know, 20 to 30 home runs, 820 OPS, wins a platinum award or two, that's, you know, for what the Cardinals gave up, that's a steal. And, you know... Arenado definitely got his wish, got out of Colorado, but I mean, we're talking a lot about St. Louis here and what a great move it is for them, but what are the Rockies doing here? You know, like Trevor Story, Arenado, Charlie Blackman, a pretty solid core uh, on paper. Pitching has always been a problem, but they were in the wild card game as recently as 2018 and, you know, beat the Cubs, went to the, the divisional series. So it's not, it's not like this team has been like, you know, terrible for the last few years. They've tried investing in the bullpen a bit with Jake McGee, guys like Wade Davis, um, kind of going the bullpen, super bullpen route, along with trying to outscore everybody. But they cut David Dahl um, for nothing. They non-tendered him. Now they trade Nolan Arenado. Trevor Story's a free agent in one year. The Rockies don't really have tons of, unless you're really high on like uh, Brendan Rodgers or some of their other prospects, they don't really have too much uh, talent on the way. I don't know what the Rockies are doing here. It's, they seem like they're destined to fall to the bottom of the NL West for the next few years, unless they want to do the same thing with Trevor Story and promise they'll build a team around him and re-sign Trevor Story to a contract and then trade him to the, the Yankees in three years. Yeah, it's I, bad. It's bad because this is where it's weird. So Brendan Rodgers, if you guys remember, was in one of the most like hyped-up draft classes ever. He's the last Top, of those top three picks, correct me if I get this wrong, but it was Swanson, Rogers, and Correa? Or was Correa the year before? No, Correa went number one, and Tyon went after Correa. So who was the third shortstop? Let me check. Three, I, uh, TBD. I feel like Bregman continue. may have been in that draft. Oh, Bregman. It was Bregman. Good call. It was It's Bregman, Brendan Rogers, and Swanson went top three. Those Two of those guys are already amazing. One is an MVP candidate. And the third one is on the way. So the Rockies, 
you know, they take the high school guy third overall in that draft. We're still waiting on him. He's blocked by Trevor Story, realistically. So, like, that's hilarious. But, like, regardless, this team has had a really bad offense, even with all those offensive pieces, even with playing in mile high. They're struggling. Their pitching staff is never going to be good enough <laughs> for what they need it to be. So they're screwed. When I say when I say they're screwed, I'm I am so confident that they will be one of the worst teams in the MLB the next five years over teams with ridiculous payrolls and stuff like that. There's Wait, no- can I just? I'm sorry, I don't mean to interject. I just want to read the top of this draft class because it's kind of funny. So you were right that Swanson went number one. I mean, we all knew that. He went to Arizona and then got traded in the Shelby Miller trade. Bregman went number two. I did not know that was a compensatory pick. That's really funny. Brendan Rodgers went three. Logan, you'll like this one. Dylan Tate went four. My guy. And then number five was another Houston Astro, Kyle Tucker. Yeah, Kyle Tucker's Uh raking right now. Yeah, so very interesting draft. I'm sorry, continue. Yeah. Astros were ridiculous at drafting. Let's call it what it is. Like literally nuts, literally nuts. But yeah, the Rockies are screwed. Yeah, Brendan said it right. What are they going to do? They're going to resign Story for two hundred fifty million. Promise it's going to be different, and then like trade him in two years. I doubt it. I don't even think they're going to bother. How are they? What for? What they're going to sign him for? What? Why would he sign? Like you'd have to be. Oh no, yeah. You'd have to be out of your mind if you're Trevor Story. Like you'd have to. Like, yeah, there's no way the Rockies are spending that money, and there's no way that Story is signing in Colorado. So it's not happening at all. They should yeah. just trade him too. They might as well now. They should, I mean, the Rockies. Well, are if they're gonna do him. a dumb, dumb trade like the one they did for Arenado, then what's the point? They no, should. But it's not just... even. It's not even the Arenado trade is awful. But that's like that's two wrongs. The wrong one was trading him and getting nothing back because you wanted to get off the salary. Like, that's the first wrong. The second wrong was signing him if you were going to trade him and not get anything back anyways. With the story deal, though, I have zero faith in this franchise to get anything right in this deal. And if they're not going to trade him now, they're going to lose him. So it's like, what, what's going on? Like, what are Isn't we doing? it funny that they made the World Series 13 years ago? I agree. <laughs> yeah, well, I, a- think, I think Arenado's big contract kind of, like, drained whatever trade value he had, so... He's super expensive. He could possibly leave like in the next year or two with an opt out so clause. So good though. He's so good. I'm just saying, like so the Rockies. The he Rockies could opt out in like he could opt out in like a Steven Strasburg sort of area. If the if the market really explodes the the next couple of years, he could opt out with his second opt out and just try and resign with St. Louis. I agree with Logan though. I don't think Arenado's opting out after this year because I don't think so. He, he would be walking into like an insane free aging class. Where he's definitely behind guys like Corey Seager, and Car- oh, I don't know, but I don't know. If he's well, I don't know Korea. about that. I think like, you really have to. I think you really have un- to see the season play out. Yeah, if he if he hits like he normally hits, the yeah, he might be the number out. one free agent if he can opt out. If he wants to, I mean. Yeah, the only thing working against him is age, but he's not old. He's not old at he all. He would be thirty. Mark Teixeira yeah. said when he was like that age, and. And, and that age, that aged well, honestly. That was a good contract. For like three years, and then he got injured a lot. But who cares? Because Tex. Yeah, I agree. That's life. Yeah, also, I that was know. like 10 years ago. Goddamn, we're old. I know, we're so old. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, there are like World War II veterans listening to this being like, what? Uh, <laughs> old? Like, yeah, that's bad. Wanna, uh, I grew up with Stan the Man. <laughs> want to talk about who else packed their bags this week? Or we want to uh, talk more about Nolan Arenado? Uh, well, we talked about Arenado. We mentioned Peterson a little bit. 
Um, talked about Tanaka leaving. Talked about Tanaka. Ottavino well, is not super important, but we should mention him again. Yeah, Ottavino gets traded and his $8 million salary is off the books. Um, goes, he goes, to the to Bo- goes to Boston and they need a bullpen. And so, sure, Ottavino is up there in age, but I think this is just one year. So it's it, one year. Yeah. So no I love bad one year deals. No bad one year deals. So, I love it for Boston. Ottavino's stuff was right where he was in 2019, and he had some bad luck. Uh, the Red Sox need late-inning relievers. And, I mean, the Yankees, too, they got rid of Ottavino's salary, and they signed Darren, o- J- Darren O'Day to a much cheaper deal. Oh, and, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so and that was, also, Darren O'Day's numbers were really Darren O'Day's good. great. I like Darren Also, I don't think I've ever oh, seen a Yankee pitcher with a sidearm. I'm really excited. <laughs> Yeah, I saw El Duque, Elena Hernandez. I didn't, I know, yes, I know who El Duque is. I don't watch El Duque, Brendan. I don't know how old you think I am, but are you know, like, who won the World Series in 1915? What are you, you didn't watch El Duque? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't watch El Duque. El Duque was on the wait a second. When I became a baseball fan, El Duque was literally on the Mets, so that proves my point exactly. Hilarious. I'm saying Mets are always taking Yankee relievers, it's just facts. Yeah, what. Is Oliver Perez still in the league? He is. So, right? He's a free yeah. agent right now. He's so he's really solid against lefties, actually, as a reliever. He's actually <laughs> a really good option. Let's do a whole episode on Oliver Perez. I agree. Dude, he's the only Met from that 2006 team now. Andy Chavez saves the day. Daniel Murphy. Well, Daniel Murphy was not on that team, but yeah, it was no. Daniel Murphy was like six years old. No, um <laughs> Patrick Mahomes was like not even born yet. That's yeah, fact. Well, Alavino got traded to the Red Sox. Um, also the shortstop market really uh, the game of musical chairs really started. Oh yeah, Simeon yeah. to the Blue Jays. Let's well, yeah, talk once, about that. That's huge. Once, yeah, once Simeon signed to, a, I mean, I did not think he was doing eighteen million dollars per year. Uh, he was a top three MVP in twenty nineteen. Well, top really three good. finisher in MVP in twenty nineteen. Uh, and was due, you know, in line for a big contract, but had a really bad twenty twenty, albeit short sample size. But I guess that's what's giving him his high. We don't play the what if game. We don't play the what if game. No, no. We play, we use math, and it's a small sample. I think we don't play the what if game. You could say that his statistics <laughs> had very little power for those statisticians out there. Yeah, and you did regress, have little power. regress to the mean. If you're, yes. yeah. So, Simeon, I guess you're paying for his potential here and a one year deal. I'm just kind of surprised though, because he's competing against Lindor and Correa and Seager now. So, Simeon, a one year deal. Uh, he probably is going to play second base for the Blue Jays, and it pushes Kevin Biggio to third and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to first. I believe that'd be the setup in the infield. And then I Bo Bichette short. Change. Yeah, Bo Bichette's a dirty, dirty defender. No, I'm just, I'm confirming. I'm just. Yes. Yeah, I was. There was like some questions about where Vlad was going to play, and Vlad's lost, lost some weight, but I guess uh, I don't know. It's not. It's not I love talking obvious. about Vlad's weight loss. <laughs> Dude, we're really big fans of Vlad's weight loss. It's actually very important. Well, I like. Well, I was so uh, hyped up. Well, I was so hyped up, and like he, I wish he hit from our contact, honestly, like his dad. But whatever, he can play first base or DH. That's a good move for the Blue Jays. But look, it's a known, it's a known fact in baseball. The father-son combos. There's one Hall of Famer. There are never two Hall of Famers. So I'm well, high on Bo Bichette because sometimes the son's better sometimes the dad's better like Bobby I agree Bonds, I agree but Bobby Bonds was good but you know Barry Bonds was you know the best yeah ever. but what, all I'm saying is that there are never two Hall of Famers in a father-son combo 
So Wait, also speaking of father son, this is a little off topic, but Ken Griffey Jr. got hired to be an executive for the MLB. I love that. I love that so much. So cool. It's so amazing. Cool. It's, it's a little bit before yeah. our time, like a couple years before we started watching baseball. Yeah. But when you watch like him play he's probably like epitomizes the fun aspect of baseball more than any player ever it's probably him like vlad vlad guerrero senior uh like i don't even know like for us maybe like nick swisher was really fun to watch but nothing yeah, like yeah. nick swisher logan how about Derek jeter <laughs> Derek jeter no but he he did not have the charisma well, maybe the charisma it doesn't matter he epitomized exactly. baseball for when he played that's the point the the no, fun yes, aspect but ken ken griffey jr was like he when you watch him, like I get chills. He was so cool. Yeah, he was amazing. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying that he wasn't, wasn't he amazing. The cool kid, wasn't that it, or the kid? Yeah. Yeah, his name was the kid. I'm down. I'm down. Are you guys, do you guys of... want to hear a crazy, crazy fun fact? I'm down. Okay, I know my fun facts like kind of suck sometimes on the pod, but this is actually really insane. So, Rash. so Stan Musial, Hall of Famer for the Cardinals, and second all time in All Star Game appearances. Uh, and I think fourth all-time in hits. And Ken Griffey Jr., not only do they have the same birthday, they're also born in the exact same town, Donora, Pennsylvania. And Stan Musial's nickname is The Man, and Ken Griffey Jr.'s nickname is The Kid. So Stan Musial was Ken Griffey's father. Correct. That's insane. And not Ken Griffey Sr. That's wild. I agree. That's wild. Thank you. All right. Nice uh, history lesson of the week. Um, <laughs> but, but actually, though, think about the MLB right now. So they're falling behind compared to other sports in a lot of aspects, one of them being viewership for several reasons, which might be a whole entire episode of the podcast. However, this is cool. You, The MLB is able to sign, sign whatever, pay, I don't know. Hire. Hire. Yeah, that works. Both Epstein and... Um, and Ken Griffey Jr. in one offseason. I feel like that's a huge win for baseball. Do we agree? I feel like that's really good. I, yeah, I, I mean, so. I mean, it's it's kind of with, with this sort of role, I, I kind of think about it in like a presidential aspect where I, I'm not really a huge fan of like presidential speeches and stuff. I care about action more than I care about talk. So on paper, this is a great move, but this is an executive role and it's a senior role. So I want to, I want to really, I have high hopes, but I really, really want to see Griffey do a lot of great stuff for the game that not only that he loves, but we all love. So again, not even viewership or the fun aspect, but also just like the, you know, African-Americans playing football and basketball and the really decline in involvement in baseball. So getting kids, you know, especially um, African-Americans or other, races to play baseball get the interest level in the game because baseball you know it's still to like the fans to the players it kind of is uh marketed as like an old traditionalist white man sport even if it's not like you know in the the rule book or whatever or in the the fine print like it is like kind of uh tailored more for white white players white fans so getting ken griffey a different voice in the commissioner's office an executive role is a really positive move. And yeah, the, I think Theo is going to be more involved with like actual changing of the game. Like, you know, maybe like pitch clocks or more like, uh, like fundamental stuff. issues of, of baseball, but Ken Griffey can do a really good job of like getting, getting more youth um, to be excited to be more 
uh, get more charisma and excitement back in baseball. Like players like Fernando Tatis, you know, who's on the the cover of MLB 21, the show. Getting more uh, guys cool. that bat flip and, you know, show their personality on the field. Uh, it's a plus for the game. So I think we all are in favor of just, you know, personalities and, you know, swinging on no like unwritten rule rules about you know not swinging on a 3-0 pitch when you're down by 10 runs like you're you're so excited for tatis to be on the cover of the show aren't you we're just talking about diversity and personality <laughs> yeah we're just talking about he's diversity Brendan just wants to talk about the show team, bro. he's like maybe not even the second or third best player on his team right now that's how good the tatis like, oh machado had a better year Machado um, I, my my one argument is that Tatis hasn't proven himself. He hasn't played like the full 162. So not to say that he's 2019 got hurt. That's what I'm. Yeah. Okay. He got hurt. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We don't, don't play the what if game. game. Don't that play the what if. That game. should be the intro of the podcast. Yeah. We well, play. we don't. Well, hold we're, on. We're playing. How about we play the what if game? game. We're, we're playing it right now. Let's play the what if game. <laughs> what if? Wait for it. No, I don't know. Wait, yeah. I want to comment on. I want to. I want to respond to Brendan's uh, comments about Griffey's hiring. I don't. So, so there's a lot of issues with uh, social injustice in all of sports, and I think that I, I, I don't think that it's like overblown in baseball. I think it's it's a very important thing to talk about and to engage with. That being said. I mean, there's there's a clear in, not influx, but that's the wrong word to use. But there's, <laughs> but there is a clear change in demographic in terms of how where good players come from, and that's Latin America. Like the Latin American population in baseball has skyrocketed the last couple the last couple of decades because Latin Americans are proving to be just as good at baseball, even better than a lot of people gave them credit for. I mean, also, Minnie Minoso should be in the Hall of Fame, but that's besides the point. Um, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if uh, race is as important to baseball or to sports in general. I mean, everyone, all sports really do a lot to to help all that to to help racial injustice. I think the biggest thing, and I we talked about this with Jared Porter, the biggest thing that sports and baseball specifically can do is to make their players stand-up guys, which is not to say that they should be stand-up comedians, but is to say that they should be held accountable for any action that they take that is negative and to acknowledge the fact that these players are role models for so many people who pay their disposable income for these guys to just play with a bat and ball for 162 games. Okay, baseball is way more than just a game at this point, and it represents way more than just a game at this point. Yes, the racial inequality stuff is very important. I don't think it's as big of an issue as the domestic abuse stuff, the sexual harassment stuff that is probably widespread. Like that stuff, I think, is is so important. And the reason why Ken Griffey Jr. is the right person for this job, at least on paper, again, because actions matter much more than talk. But the reason why Griffey Jr. works the best in this role is his nickname. He is the kid. He embodies what kids look for in a baseball player. I mean, look, I'm I'm sure that there's a scandal about Ken Griffey Jr. out there somewhere, and I haven't like, you know, uh, stalked his Wikipedia page to to know that so much. And yeah, the whole stupid Cincinnati trade. He wanted to go back home, but that was very diva-ish and whatever. But the point is that Griffey is the young spark that 
baseball needed in the 90s, the guy who shined throughout the steroids era, and the guy that baseball needs now to once again shine in the face of a lot of troubling stuff that's going on, ratings-wise and social injustice-wise. So are you saying that he's not the hero we deserve, but the wait oh damn it what it's no you botched we, it bro i did botch it it's not the it's so ken griffey is not the hero we need it's the hero we deserve is um i guess i don't know i don't really know where that quote comes from but sure why not oh the doc the doc knight is a great is a five stars <laughs> the doc knight <laughs> is a brilliant film five stars <laughs> no so <laughs> that's funny good segue um no my thoughts are so a big I, I kind of agree with both of you, and I, I, we're all on the same page, maybe for different perspectives. I'll say one thing I agree, Matt, that because of technology, because of scouting and things like this, and it will continue to improve, but because of that, there are kids that now have a chance at baseball in other countries outside of America that never would have, and that's a wonderful thing, and we should continue that, and we that will continue to grow, and we will see more and more Latin American and African-American and all different people from different places succeeding in baseball, it's going to happen. And it's a great thing. On the other side there, I think the biggest problem with the youth and their accessibility to baseball is how did we all get into baseball? What did we do as fans when we were kids? We became Yankee fans. Okay, what did we do though? And our every Saturday, what did we, we do? We played little league. No, that's a good point. Play little league. So if you I mean I read interact- books, I wasn't that good at little league. Right. But, yeah. That's you that you're you're weird. You were but- you were also on high school baseball. You should talk about that. You played right field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, know if it counts because literally whatever, but not really the point. But yeah, why? Because I played in a league with mostly African American children, Logan. Is that why it doesn't count? Not at all. It's actually because you're <laughs> trash and you shouldn't have gotten. A- oh, am I trash because I'm Jewish? Is that why? <laughs> Maybe. You said yeah, you dug yourself a hole with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I was bad too, but at least I got the game winning hit. But it's not really the point. When, when you were two years old in T ball? I was actually nine. I was nine years old. Okay. In T ball? Okay, I, I was nine years old. Okay. Right. Listen. Kids that are able to play baseball and interact with baseball at a young age, they have been able to do that for years. And those are the kids that end up getting into the majors. I mean, look at Cody Bellinger there's a, and Todd Frazier. There's a picture of them in the Little League World Series, and then there's a picture of them in the World Series. Or maybe not Todd, but definitely Cody Bellinger in the World Series, <laughs> right? He's the first, I think he was like the second person to win. Uh, Jason Varitek was the first guy to win the Little League World Series, the College World Series, yeah. and the Baseball World Series, MLB World Series. It's very cool, right? That is not an opportunity for everyone. And that's a problem, right? Because there are kids in underfunded neighborhoods that Little League is just not an option. But but it's important to note that obviously programs can be improved, but baseball has had something called the Reviving Baseball in Inner Cities program, aka RBI, uh, ah, for a while. I even, I even donated a, a huge portion of the books, uh, like the the editions of my book that I published uh, to the RBI get it. You're an author. That's actually very nice of you, Matt. That's I'm literally talking time. about racial injustice, Brendan. So you get it. You're an author. You can flex about it. I'm hey, not. Hey, <laughs> uh, Aaron's and what was it? Amazing Aaron's to. Yeah. Amazing Aaron's. Yeah. I think it is amazing. Aaron's. No, it's amazing. Aaron. It's one person. It's Hank Aaron. It's, it's amazing. Aaron. Who is black? You guys suck. Jeez. 
What does this, what does this race have to do with it, Matt? Ask yourself. <laughs> anyway, move on. Yes, Logan. No, I was just saying that it's it's a very good thing that it'll continue to happening where more and more kids will be playing little leagues, interacting with baseball at a young age, and Ken Griffey Jr. will help with that 100%. There's a reason why he's hired as opposed to some other rich white guy. There's a perspective and ability to relate to younger kids that Ken has that very few other people have on this planet. So his match of you know, major league success times a million being one of the best in our generation or last couple generations, really that and being the kid and embodying energy and stuff like that. It's a wonderful thing for him to be in baseball. And it's, he's probably one of a kind in the front office. I would, you'd be hard pressed to find someone even remotely similar to him in any way in the, in the major league front office. Well, I mean, likewise, you senior, but is he sorry. in the front office? I don't know. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. I don't even know if he's in the, you're not even, <laughs> the, no, but you see what I'm saying? Like those types of guys, and we're seeing it more and more. Like I thought it was so cool. Big Sean is actually the entertainment director for the Detroit Pistons. Like it's really, really intelligent. <laughs> okay. No, there's a point to be made here. It's really good marketing and it's really intelligent to have, you know, people that fans can, can grab, you know, uh, gravitate idolize. And look yeah. up to and idolize in your front office and interact with the interaction between fans and big Sean and fans and Ken Griffey jr. Is, is palpable. So having that is very, very good. It's a good thing on the flip side. I agree with Brendan. His role is so different than, um, Theo Epstein. Epstein. Yeah. Theo Epstein is going to be like, so ridiculous trying to change the game and I hope and doing all these really cool expect that from Ken Griffey Jr. But Ken Griffey impact I would hope would be just as big. And if it is, we'll be talking about it for a while. So let's here's to hoping he could set a standard for you know hiring other you know energetic, you know, exciting MLB players because those are the guys we really care about listening to rather than Rob Manfred who makes me want to poke my eyes out with a stick. Hey I talk about Rob Manfred actually this could be a good transition to talk about the t- talks between the union and uh, MLB about the start of the season, which so spicy. Until, until this point, we were under the assumption that we are full steam ahead to play pretty much the schedule on time. The schedule that they released, you know, late last year that has spring training starting in about three weeks. Obviously COVID still a problem. It's not going away anytime soon. Uh, you know, thank God we have vaccines starting to come out and some of us are getting vaccinated already and we're getting safe, but you know, it's still only like 1% of the population. So this is not a problem that's going to be gone by the time baseball is played this year. So there's been a point of contention of, you know, maybe is it wise to delay the start of the season to maybe have more players vaccinated? Um, But it's also, you know, a point of contention that, you know, players shouldn't be put ahead of the line and get vaccinated before other, you know, common people because they're, they're baseball players and we have to get them ready for the season. So I think players are, are pro starting the season on time. Uh, it was reported like over the weekend, I think yesterday, um, there were lots of talks about MLB offering a 154 game schedule with full pay, a universal DH. And I think the, 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 the schedule will be like set back by a month. So like late April will be opening day. 
and there would just be like they would finish around the same time, just like a little, little bit more of like off um, off days broken up in between the schedule. But the union is expected to decline this offer and pretty much uh, not even counter. Pretty yeah, much they, just they did the, just. I think they did reject it officially. So reject it officially and uh, start um, the season on time and report to camp in three weeks and probably they're not even going to counter the, the MLB's offer and just go with the existing agreement. Here's my take. Um, it's like February. Today's February 1st, right? And the season, the season ended late October. Why are we just figuring out when baseball is going to be played? Like three weeks before spring people are supposed to report to spring training. It's they hilarious. had like three freaking months to figure this out. And now you know, they look at the calendar. It's like, oh, yeah, like baseball is kind of supposed to start soon. So, like, we should probably figure this out. Can we just have a strike already? Like, where's it's the strike? Ha- the, the MLB and and the players' union is literally they could they can't agree on where to get breakfast in the morning. They're literally the if you gotta the, go to Chris's or if the union is the Democrats, Rip and the MLB is the Republicans. Oh God, sides hate Stop politicizing. Other. Wait, hold on. <laughs> These sides hate each other viciously. I'm not going to go any further politically, but yeah. So the union and MLB is not, are not going to come to an agreement. They're probably just going to go with more the, like the, the more like the union and the Confederacy. Am I right, boys? Would have been a better joke if you made it in, in, in stride, but we'll take it. I agree. Brendan, um, no, wait, wait, wait. Brendan was talking. Oh, okay. Continue. Oh, I just had you, to Matt. say my joke. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so yeah, like they had all this time to figure out a deal, and now they're just trying to squeeze in an agreement before the start of camp. And the players are pretty much fed up with, you know, MLB's attempts to negotiate and basically not cave into having an expanded postseason and having a universal DH, which is kind of like the the big bargaining chips that both these sides have. You know, the union wants to have the DH because. That's 30 more jobs for their players and the union. Oh, sorry. And the, the league wants to have expanded playoffs, more teams in the playoffs make, equals more uh, TV and playoff revenue. So it's makes sense for them. The players are worried that more teams in the playoffs is detrimental to the game because it's, it turns into like hockey and basketball at that point. Right. If you have every team, you know, half almost half the league gets in. Why do you have to spend on a free agent and get, you know, or trade for Nolan Arenado to push your team over the top if there's two, you know, playoff spots per division. Why would the Cardinals take that step? Why would a you know a team go out and sign a premium free agent when that's their fear that, you know, adding extra playoff spots is going to have the adverse effect instead of increasing instead of incentive incent increasing incentive to spend on players and to be competitive. Teams are already you know pretty frugal as it is and you know have to or like have to be carried kicking and screaming to spend money so i don't you know they 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 don't they don't view expanded playoffs as a positive so they're holding firm on their stance of no dh until um the 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 union caves into having expanded playoffs so we're probably just going to go into the year without any of these Pretty much go back to to normal pre twenty twenty rules, just no expanded playoffs, no universal DH, back to square back to square one basically, with 
also the CBA expiring at the end of the 2021 season. So basically change is coming regardless, but so just to go back backwards for one year, because both these sides just hate each other so much and they can't agree on anything and they view everything, every little argument as a, so it's like a negotiating chip or bargaining tool. It's very frustrating for a fan. It's especially for the players too. Cause you know, players like Nelson Cruz and Marcelo Zuna, like don't know we, if there's going to be a DH, how is that fair? How do, how do pitchers preparing for the season know if like they should be swinging a bat and, and you know, if they have to take a hundred plate appearances this upcoming year, it's not fair to teams and to fans as well. And I don't know it's just very frustrating and hopefully it doesn't this doesn't like devolve into a situation like last summer where like it was very public uh, between the union and MLB and turned a lot of fans off from baseball at that time. So yeah, this is just a, one more step to a possible strike if the you know if they continue having fights about this upcoming year's rules. Um, obviously they got to make sure that like the health and safety protocols are like the that's the easy stuff. That's the stuff they can agree upon. But yeah, these rules, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting it to be pre 2020 rules, but they could surprise me and they could agree, make an agreement on something. I don't know. Just very, um, this just came out Sunday about like, you know, 154 game schedule, uh, along with some of those other, like, um, those changes with the DH and the expanded playoffs. So, I don't expect anything to change, but I guess what are your guys' thoughts on, you know, more, more shenanigans between the union and uh, MLB? Uh, I I hate the fact that these two sides can't get anything done, and I hate how the MLB is the arbitrator, and I think that the fans should also be involved in this conversation. Again, baseball is a business that's driven by fans, and I think that the owners and the players all need to listen to what we think and how we want to see the, the game played out. This is not me advocating for fan rights. This is me being realizing that there's a lot of money that goes into this and the fans have already showed that they can restrict the money that they give to this, uh, to this partisan game right now by not watching it so we should be listened to that's all i'll say about it thank you for your comments well, do you think we're going to have a regular season yeah or... i think <laughs> i think we're having a regular season but that's not that's the microcosm of what's going on here like the the fact that this that these two sides are still arguing is so bad for the game it's unbelievable yeah i'm going to take it back to last year i don't know if you guys remember like exactly what this felt like, but like, I remember I was, yeah, I would take my daily walks, you know, got to stay healthy. And every passing day was a new negotiation. And every day was 10 games off of the MLB season and, and X amount of money retro paid and all this garbage. The fact of the matter is nobody. And I mean, literally nobody wins if baseball is not played. So, I don't know for those political science people out there, something called the political game theory in a lose, lose situation, especially when there's money. And when I'm talking money, I'm talking billions. Baseball will be played. It will be played because nobody wins and everybody loses when there's no baseball. 
However, under how these games are played, I have no idea. If I had to take a guess, players don't typically win in these scenarios. They're always going to give up more than the owners because the owners sit on their butts and get paid, basically, to win with this whole situation, no matter what, the owners make money. So they're very rarely losing money, the only stipulation being maybe last year because they played so few games. So there will be a lot of games. The owners will come out on top because at the end of the day, they're not risking anything, literally nothing. They're just owning their teams. The players, I mean, the safety protocols have to be in place. Well, wait a second. Hold on. Not to sound like a capitalist for a sec, but like they do yes, have something. They, they, they literally have equity in, in the team. No, I like agree. They have but, ownership. But so, right. They have ownership in the team. But if they're if the games are being played, they're going to recuperate some lost value. But if the players are losing money, whose percentage losses are bigger? But yeah, really, no, I, I agree. So, but that's that's my point is saying that the players always will have more to lose as far in their livelihood and, and the percentage of their earnings will be lost quicker. Yeah, but you could also yeah, but you could also say all I'm saying is that you could say the same argument that the players are being greedy because Oh, I know that like are. like that's the owner the owner deal was 154 games. Like, okay, that's eight less games than a regular season. Like but full pay. That? And they also, it was also for the World Series era, 154 game seasons happened from 1903 to 1960. So that's not unheard of. Wait, but I didn't even get to that point yet. I know. I was, I was going to say. I just had to defend capitalism for like two no, seconds. No, no, but wait. Because last year, my point was last year, if you remember some of those negotiations, there was not a single good point made by either side. It was awful. And that's how you ended up with like one of the craziest seasons ever of 60 games, people getting, I forget what the pay was. I think it was, I think it was like prorated. So it was like, everyone got like basically like what they would have, but over 60 games, like, you know what I mean? Like percentage wise. Yeah. So that wasn't great either, but it was as good as it could get. This offer from the MLB or from uh, the owners really wasn't all that bad. So really what it comes down to for the players is how far are they going to try to push this? Because I don't know how much more they're getting. It does not look like they're going to get the DH without giving up the playoffs. So they're, they, as, as, as the players go, they need to figure that out. Also, just in general, the MLB PA sucks. Or, uh, is that what it's called? PR? It? No, the PA, the, the Players Association. Players Association. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Like, it's just awful. Like, compared to other sports, like, I, the fact that we haven't had a strike yet is absolutely absurd. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Like, I'm not even really sure because, like, I'm so not into, like, this whole I aspect. think what you said that was a good point, though, that both sides lose with, with no baseball. So right. So the I mean, only thing stopping a strike, in my opinion. Right. Exactly. And so that's the fact of the matter is that, like, the baseball is going to be played. We're going to see baseball this year. It's going to be fine. At the end of the day, as baseball fans, we will turn the television and watch baseball as we always do. It will be different though in the sense that i don't know if we're going to be at games i don't know how many fans are going to do that because there are some really stubborn fans out there that are very <laughs> dodgers fans right the, all the very, anti-vaxxers and yeah, oh my god that's i i'll go on a rant about that for years but you have to be so dumb but whatever <laughs> but yeah there are fans out there that are more stubborn than i have words to put describe so i i don't know we're I mean, pissed on the frog right they will lose fans if this continue, they already have, and they will continue to lose fans, especially older fans, which I mean, they need to prioritize the young fans anyways. Hate to say it, grandpa, but 
this is just life, right? Why would you insult my grandpa? Who's going to be alive longer to watch baseball? But, you know, who even has a TV? Hey, I could die tomorrow. You don't know, man. Yeah, yeah that's, that's facts. But you know what? If we keep talking about you on this podcast, you might. You actually might. So, <laughs> I, well, I think it's the opposite. I think if you don't talk about me enough, I will shrivel up and die. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's It's brutal. But, yeah, I don't. If I had to take a guess, I think I don't think baseball is going to start on time. I, I it, really, I don't know. It it just reeks of pushing off at least a little bit. There's going to be some give. If it starts on time, I'll be I'll be shocked to be completely honest with you. But to go back with the vaccine thing, though, last year the biggest thing was how are we going to test them? They don't deserve to get the tests early, and that was about. Everyone deserves a test, right? The shot is different. Everyone deserves a shot, but we're at the point with the shot where like, even if you're eligible to get the shot, you might be four months away from getting it. There is no way that baseball will have any access to the vaccine. It's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Unless another company comes through, like um, Johnson & Johnson is applying for emergency approval. Their shot is 66% effective against severe cases. It's much lower efficacy, but still worth it. Maybe MLB strikes to deal with Johnson and Johnson, but even that would be really hard to imagine. I can't even really imagine that happening. So if baseball is going to be played, it's going to be without the shot like on a wide scale. I don't know how it's going to happen with fans. There's a lot to be figured out, and I just don't know if they, in three weeks' time, if it's going to, like, everyone's going to be on the same page. Like, last year... Like certain teams reported to camp, some didn't. Like the Yankees were at camp together, but like some teams weren't. Like it was weird. Like maybe we'll get that again, but I don't think everyone's on the same page, and I don't think they will be in three weeks. It's fair. Uh, I think the season. I'm okay with a slightly shorter schedule, but I think just you know delaying the season by you know a, a month, like starting it in late April, is not going to solve any problems. Because like you said, like the, you know even if you push it off like by the start of the season by a month. The vaccine is not going to get any closer to becoming available. So I don't see much of a benefit of that. But yeah, uh, definitely a lot up in the air right now. Um, Can we talk about um, one more thing before uh, we finish the pod? Oh, we have to to talk about the two retirees this week. Oh, well, we can mention them. Sure. Oh, we have to. Daniel Murphy and Dustin Pedroia. Well, what do you want to talk about? Uh, how about the Hall of Fame? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah. we we said our piece about her chilling. Uh, obviously yeah, the results came in. out. <laughs> yeah. What you... Wait. Brendan. Also, okay. Not only so we said our piece about her chilling, and honestly, again, every passing day I hate him more. Yeah, I agree. But just to go over it with the fans, nobody was elected into the Hall of Fame. Yes. Several players on the bottom end of the ballot sort of started moving up, and then you know, most notably. Bonds and Clemens really didn't make any progress and Schilling didn't really move up at all either. And Omar Vizquel went down because right. of the domestic abuse scandal. Well, so, a lot of players went up though. Like our, our guys like Helton, Roland, uh, no, yeah, Wagner, no, I said. guys we've been pioneering for, those yeah. are the guys that got like a big boost. Yes, but uh, they're, they're still down bad. Yeah, not enough. Jeff Kent got body though. Jeff Kent like got no love. It's almost as if he might not be worthy of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you but like, all right, like he's... <laughs> <laughs> like like John Helton and like Wagner, everyone else got her got their support, but like Jeff Kent for some reason is not getting much support at all. 
He's such I think a he's Hall of Famer. It's second baseman lives matter. That's all I'm saying. Oh, God. No, but um, yeah. But Kurt Schilling, most notably out of anyone, came out on Twitter, which is A, more than half the reason why he's not in the Hall of Fame He right came now. out on Twitter? He came out on Twitter. End of conversation. No, I, that, can you imagine? Oh, my God. That would be no. incredible. Yeah, that'd be... Gets in the Hall of Fame tomorrow. <laughs> Yo, my God, he's so sick. No. All right, all right. Please, please continue the conversation no, so, before we get canceled. He, he comes out on Twitter saying that he does not even want to be on the ballot for the last year of his Hall of Fame. It's because he doesn't trust the writers and them putting a right. false narrative on him. Okay. But meanwhile, he literally tweeted in support of the Capitol riots. That's not really a, that's not no, really but, a writers okay. versus players sort of thing. Well, also anti-Bonds and Clemens in the Hall of Fame. Which yeah, is I movie. agree. And he, no, uh, and he so did bizarre. say multiple times that he believes in integrity and honesty. So how about you be integral and honest with yourself, buddy boy? Integral. No, but he yes. believes he, he thinks he's like a victim here or like he's like the, you know, being what all the Trump yeah, sound think. familiar, like literally sound familiar. No, but yeah, it's kind of insane. So imagine the arrogance on a man to basically like he he his getting into the Hall of Fame is directly correlated with these people that are voting him in. And then after he doesn't get in, he says, no, nah, I don't even trust them. I'm not even going to give them a chance to vote me in, bro. You're that's not, not getting that's in. It's not arrogance at all. It's a lack of trust. He thinks that a lack the of players. Trust. He thinks he he's thinks above that... it. He he fully thinks not he's above at it. all. You are misinterpreting I what disagree. he was saying. I no, disagree it's that he didn't. Th- he thought the the media was painting a false narrative of him, and he trusts the players on the veterans committee to vote him in. That's with why he doesn't want to bother with his last year. Okay. He doesn't have anything to do with him being no, because arrogant he at could, all. He could okay, Matt. He didn't have to come out and say, I want to be taken off the ballot, because if he didn't get voted in, he'd still go to the veteran. Yeah, veteran but he still wants anyways. to be in the hall of fame. What is he just gonna he's gonna ask for special election? No, but my point is, why did he take himself off the ballot? It's beyond the veterans committee. He didn't even think he he for some reason. Why do you think he took himself off the ballot? Then? Also, to clarify, what do you mean? I literally asked him why because he, he doesn't he's trust also, the media. He doesn't still, want to get rejected another time. Guys, he's still on the ballot. He uh, no, I know. To be taken off. No, I know, and, I know, uh, I know. No, I know. The BBWA said like you can't do that. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> oh, so oh. this conversation is moot. I agree. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying in general, like his saying, I don't want to, like I don't. It's not. It's not. I don't trust the media. He. He is the person on the media tweeting all these things. It's kind of no. The, you, you don't know what the media means in this. I case. know what the media means. It's the journalist. Do you know what the BBWAA stands for? Do you know what that? Baseball do you know what Writers the, of America Association, Association yeah, of America, whatever it is. Yeah, the key word in that is writers. Everyone who I votes in the BBWAA know. are journalists. But that's my what it means by the media. He doesn't quote trust the media to vote him in. The media is not voting him in. Obviously, he gets that now. He's not getting voted yeah, in okay. by the media. I guess we're saying the same thing. We are saying the same thing. My point, though, is that him him saying, I don't even want to be on the ballot this year is the, the biggest sore loser move ever. Like, what? Like, literally, that is Okay, laughable. well, being a sore loser and being arrogant are two different things. Well, like, probably, he, he, know, he sees the, the writing on the wall and that the voters are not, the yes. writers are not going to vote him in. But yeah, that I agree to save face. It's an instead of the save face, he's going to you know no, say it's oh, not I don't reputation. It's not he's going to discredit the the writers before they discredit him. Right. What 
that's to me that's i don't think that's arrogance ego, i think that's, that's ego. just ignorance i i no it's that's someone who's so sensitive <laughs> you have to be so sensitive to 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 do this preemptively before they even vote you in or out you're like i don't even care i'm not i don't even trust you to make the right decision no he does care that's why he doesn't want to be on the ballot <laughs> no he 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 cares what is the argument here <laughs> I no we're, man and i are saying the same we're, we're on the same side we're literally it's, saying the same thing except i'm right and logan's wrong <laughs> no that, what no i'm <laughs> saying all i'm saying is that him trying to take himself off the ballot saying he doesn't want to be voted in by the the, the writers so he doesn't trust the writers association to vote him in is basically bending the truth and saying that he doesn't trust it when in reality it's not a lack of trust that's not going to get him in. He's not getting in for his own actions or, or is the point that I'm making. Okay. So, I mean, him, yeah, that's what you had to say. Yes, I know, but I him backpedaling and saying, no, 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 no. I don't trust you to make the tr the right decision. The writers, there's like 400 writers that are voting. If 400 people collectively are well, painting you as something or well, if it's not collective because 71% of them, 71% are putting him in. But, but the, that there's no rules in this, right? The character clause is so vague. So vague even, on purpose, but I yeah. I know I agree, and I've I've in the past I've said I don't necessarily want them to change that. I think that makes it cool. Yeah, but the Constitution is vague on purpose. I agree. It's, read between the lines, my guy. Read between the lines. <laughs> 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 Yo, <laughs> show. <laughs> <laughs> I've literally never seen an episode in my life, so don't ever. That's not true. You listen every weekday at 1 p.m. That is so much cat. It's not even funny. I don't even know what the music is. Can we stop arguing about adjectives and move on to like Dustin Pedroia and like other Hall of Fame? Uh, yeah, I'm down. One last <laughs> thing I want to talk about with the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think I <laughs> think so. PM. I want to say it was Stephen A. Smith that because oh, he knows so much about baseball and he's he talks about it every day and he doesn't just talk about how Kevin Durant should be an MVP and how Kyrie needs to retire. Um, but he was talking, I think it was Stephen A. If it wasn't, then it might have been like CC Sabathia on R2C2. But one That's of them, so different. Those I agree, so different. <laughs> one of them said that the Hall of Fame not electing anyone since 1960, which is kind of incorrect because you should qualify, you should specify that the VC didn't meet this year and they probably would have elected somebody if they did meet. But either way, there was no BBWAA Hall of Fame uh, inductees since 2013, and someone said that that's bad for baseball. And my thought process was automatically just like what are you talking about? Like the fact that the fact that baseball players are held to a higher standard versus like the NFL and NBA hall of fames, where you literally have to play two days and you're a hall of famer is so much better for baseball than people like, like understand well, about the other sports. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, uh, Oh, Oh, you're saying that the hall of fame is an elite establishment. Yeah. Oh, that's so terrible. Oh, yeah, it's like a back. Yeah, well, Stephen A. Smith is like the general, like you know, mainstream media, which baseball, like traditional baseball history, is not really covered in that type of media. Which is, you know, it's which is another problem that Ken Griffey Jr. has to solve. But anyway, exactly, exactly, exactly. like people misinterpret of baseball Hall of Fame and you know being elitist and being held to a higher standard as being like I don't know as a negative as being like too conservative and too you know stubborn and too um i don't know too 
I, I guess conservative is the right word, like to, you know, not putting anyone in. So yeah. Um, a guy that could theoretically be in the hall of fame, but injuries ended his career, you know, officially today was Dustin Pedroia who had a 14 year career with the Red Sox, all the Red Sox, uh, his, within his first three years in the league, won a rookie of the year and an MVP, uh, really was a great, you know, the face of the Red Sox with David Ortiz, uh, hasn't really played since 2019. Well, basically hasn't played since 2017. He uh, played uh, three games in 2018 and six games in 2019. But so basically the whole season. So basically, yeah. So basically he missed, you know, 18, 19, and then obviously didn't play in 2020. Um, hasn't been a fixture of the Red Sox since 2017. And, you know, just a ton of injuries throughout his career finally caught up to him. Um, he won... I think he won three championships. He did not win the 18 World Series with the Red. Well, he was on the, he was not he on the postseason roster, but he was on like the team technically. So I don't know if he got a ring, but uh, one, yeah, one with them in 07, uh, 13. And then I guess you can count 2018. So I would say a very borderline Hall of Fame career, you know, with 299 career batting average, the 805 OPS. 140 home runs from a second baseman, but just didn't, didn't play, play long, long enough. enough. Yeah, he's, he's 37, hasn't played in like three years, so really unfortunate. But yeah, he had like 10 good years. He's like, like in the deeper right conversation for like you just on a Hall of Fame trajectory, but like just yeah. injuries, you know, ending his career way too soon. So, Pedro, like not a for, Hall of Famer. Like uh, the, the best career I use to judge like the minimum amount of years that a contact hitter needs to play is Kirby Puckett who played 12 years and then woke up one day before spring training and was like, Hey, I can't see out of my, one of my eyes. And then he had glaucoma um, and then had to retire, but he had like 190 hits a season and like is so obviously a hall of famer. Um, But yeah, Pedroia just didn't have those stats. So he's not a hall of famer, but I always say this, like I started watching baseball when Pedroia came up and he kind of epitomizes the, the length that I've watched the game. So to see him retire, although he was on the Red Sox, it's it's kind of sad. But at the same time, Red Sox suck. So, you know, but go Pedroia. Yeah, I was looking. He had he was a, he's an interesting player. Like, he's definitely not a Hall of Famer, but he did have a lot of like he accumulated a nice war over his career over 50. He's a Red Sox legend. I'll give him that. 100%. And it's interesting because I was looking at his MVP year and I'm like, literally like, yeah, he led the league in hits, but he had a crazy war. He had a seven war. But, like, you know, the 326 batting average helps. That year was, like, weird for baseball, though. Like, Kevin Euclid came in third in MVP. Justin Morneau nearly won it. And, like, neither of those guys, like, really had such a crazy it? year. To- oh, well, well, Pedroia won it. Okay. But, like, Mauer came in fourth, and, like, Carlos Quentin came in fifth. I don't even know who that well, is. Well, Mauer, you don't know Carlos Quentin? Wasn't he on the White Sox? Yeah, yes. I literally don't know who that is. Like, I'm not even joking. Yeah, he's fine. Honestly, I, I'm looking at the same uh, webpage right now, Logan. Uh, I think Abra should have won that, that MVP. I mean, yeah, three points <laughs> higher in OPS and pretty much. I I, but I'm not even here. Like, I, I, I mean, honestly, like, Pedroia might be one of my most hated players ever. Like, he's really close. Like, it's him, uh, the entire Red Sox pitching staff from like 2000. 2000- eight to 2014 and like, rick I, porcello 
<laughs> I, I don't even care about Rick Porcello. But, like, oh, my God, like, Clay Buckholtz, like, I I hate that guy. If you're listening, Clay. Yeah, but but John Lester, though, things. and John Lackey. John Lackey just... I hated, too. Lester, I don't even hate because, like, I don't even care. But like the Cubbies. The, the Cubbies. Cubbies. You can't hate a survivor. Who? You can't hate a cancer survivor. That's yeah, facts. That's, true. that's, that's true. facts. It's against the law. But, um, yeah, no, I don't, you know, I grew up hating Pedroia, but, like, he is – he's the yin to like the yang of the Yankees. Like he was the, he was the Red Sox guy for our basically entirety of our fan. Yeah. Like when I was a fan, it starts really early, like 2008, it's one MVP. Like he was the first guy I hated in baseball. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes you a legend. And so, I mean, yeah, his career doesn't stack up just because even, even like when he was exiting his prime and like 32 years old, like that was his last full season in 2016. Like he was already declining and it's sad, even though he, I mean, he still bat 318 just to put it in perspective how good he was in his prime, but he was, I mean, he was really a special player. Um, we're talking about him. Like he's dead. He's alive. He's alive. And well, he just retired from baseball kind yeah. of reminds me of the, Der- uh, the, Derek Jeter, the David Wright of the Red Sox, but I'll even go as far to say that David Wright, speaking of David Wright, <laughs> <laughs> no, David Wright actually was probably better, to be honest with you. But like, I think David Wright was better. Yeah, I, I, no yeah. Bias, but I like, think I think Wright had a lot of like a lot more eye popping seasons, and he, he was did, also 100%. an all star for a lot more. Uh, yeah, and it's Roy has an MVP, and David Wright does not have an MVP. Yeah, but so one two, oh, that's one award. That's yeah, one I don't even care award. about the MVP. And the, we just talked about how he shouldn't have even won that MVP. So like, well, David Wright will also. Speaking of like really bad MVP wins. Jimmy Rollins in 2007 was a terrible. I don't know how he won the MVP that year. Like, not not even David David Wright didn't didn't even have to win that award. Just like literally anyone else but Jimmy Rollins. But it's a rant for know, next like, year's Hall of Fame discussion Rolls. where I just dis- I destroy Jimmy Rollins's case. But um, wow, it's almost as if Brendan's a Mets fan. Actually, Matt Holiday came really close that year and also had an OPS over a thousand. So yeah, yeah Holiday should have won the MVP. Sure. Yeah, was that on I the agree. Rockies? I guess right. Yeah, that was the Rockies. I think it was his last year on the Rockies. Yeah, because was he? Wait a sec. Was he traded to the A's or did he start his career with the A's and then? Hold on a sec. Um, I can look that up for you right now. I'm on his page. He started his career with Colorado. and then Oh, and then he went to... Oh, okay. So before, when I talked about Arenado being compared to Matt Holiday, I, I misspoke, so I apologize. Actually, yeah. Technically, he went from Oakland to St. Louis. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's just talk about stupid Daniel Murphy and then end the stupid podcast, stupid Daniel Murphy. All right. Well, <laughs> Daniel Murphy. Well, another all-star second baseman retired. Uh, A bit younger, too. I think he's... Only 35 years old, and he played yeah, the last cool. few years with the Rockies. Uh, most remembered, I think, for his heroics in the 2015 playoffs. You know, Definitely most remembered run. for his time in Washington when he almost won the MVP. Definitely. I don't know. because like Definitely 100% no argument. <laughs> I disagree. I think he's more remembered for his playoff heroics. But well, yeah, I mean, Do you I, agree with me that Daniel you know, Murphy never played on the, the Mets? No, no, no. Okay, I will say this though. It, this is gonna hurt Brennan's feelings, which I'm like so down for. No, no, no. I agree with you. He's a playoff legend in New York. Or not, I guess in New York. Like no, general, everywhere. He, he set the record for the most home runs, runs in most consecutive, uh, consecutive home, home runs, runs in in games. Yeah. I will say though, he has three All Star appearances, and two of them were his two years in. Um, he was better. When he was better with the Nationals. I'm not saying that. No, he was. 
actually ridiculous with the Nationals. No, he, what we're saying, Brendan, is that Daniel Murphy never doubles. played with the Mets. And the fact that you think he played with the Mets is a disgrace. Or how about you uh, mute yourself at this part? <laughs> no, it is it is interesting though. I remember like I'm sure Brendan could give a different or a better perspective of this, but like I remember coming off of 2015, like how surprising it was that the Mets didn't re-sign him. Like I was shocked. Like I was I, more I shocked that he was an MVP candidate the next season. Well, yeah, but like based on the playoffs he had that season before, it's like literally. How did you not? They went. They went for Cespedes instead. Like it was a one or the other thing, and they should have chose Murphy over Cespedes. But it is what it is. Well, who knows if he would have would even had that type of numbers with the Mets? Maybe like you know he had to go to Washington to figure it out. But yeah, Murphy was a a two ninety six career hitter, so of an above average hitter. Um, kind of a wacky career because he kind of came up as a, a jack of all trades. Didn't really have a position in his first few years with the Mets. They stuck him in left field, played him at first base, third base, uh, eventually finding a home at second base. And basically, JD Davis. Basically, yeah, it was a basically <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. always a really co- solid contact hitter. But you know, like Matt and yeah. Logan alluded to, uh, he exploded with power with the Washington Nationals uh, in his latter part of his career, and then still having quality. Even like 2018 had a quality year, uh, just kind of wasn't the same with the Rockies the last few years. So. Only 35 years old. I'm surprised he could have. He probably could have lashed on to another team as like a depth infielder or or even like a, you know, he could still hit righties. Um, he could have played like in a timeshare, but I guess that's not something he's interested in doing. You mean I'll a tell platoon? You why. Wait, did you just call it a timeshare? <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. You could you have a timeshare in a position with someone else. That's I've never heard. Logan, no, are you I've in... heard it. No, I've heard it. It's weird. really it's really a platoon is like the word. Yeah, it's a platoon. Not a timeshare. He's not going to Cabo Mexico. and getting a house. He might be going to Mexico right now. You don't know. You could. He might be. Right. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, he's got a lot of. But he's got a lot of money to spend. Google's he's got time that shares. Washington contract. Google timeshare sports. It's definitely a, a three. Is no. Like- if you Google timeshare sports, you're 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 gonna come up with like a Rod's like vacation home. <laughs> in- <laughs> but back to this conversation. Um, yeah, it's you know why I think he retired now and i have nothing to base this on i'm just completely speculating he is he doesn't want to get the vaccine (laughs) actually maybe like yeah it's because oh god um, (laughs) no um he was by all accounts by every single stat i test and everything an awful awful fielder no matter where you stuck him he's a negative literally every single season of his career he was negative on defense um so much so that he had negative 60 d war defensive war in his career let's his go offensive his offensive war was 25 he actually he like Rocky's legend daniel like, murphy let's go yeah no without a dh it hurts him a lot like how he, did he let wait a sec he had negative defensive war and he never played in the al yeah that's so stupid <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. Good riddance. Get out of here. Back your no, bags. Tried, I mean, teams tried to put him at first. He he profiled better at first than he did at second, I guess. I don't even really know, to be honest, because bad no matter where you stick a negative six war defender. But yeah, his offense played everywhere. He was the great contact guy. He definitely could have latched on to several teams. Kind of like a Howard Kendrick guy, except Howard Kendrick's a really you know solid defender, I guess, kind of. I don't know. Sad. Well, Kendrick also retired this year. So also Kendrick, Rip, Murphy, Pedroia. A lot of second base. Who, who else like notable, notable retired this year? 
Um, wasn't there a reliever or a, a pitcher? There has to be. I feel like someone else. I don't know. Marcello is still hanging out there. He hasn't officially retired. But yeah, Murphy and Pedroia, two very accomplished players that are still relatively young, you know, retiring for different reasons. I'm sure, you know, Pedroia more for injury reasons and Murphy. I don't know what Murphy's going to do. I mean, he still like, was okay, but I guess it's like, you know, wasn't getting the 35 years old. That's old yeah. for baseball. We're, we're, we're spoiled. I'm not spoiled, but like these guys were all-star caliber uh, caliber players. And so maybe that's why it's weird to see them retire this young, but they played 13 plus seasons, 12 plus seasons. It's a very long baseball career. Most careers in baseball are like 10 to 15 seconds tops. So good, good on them for carving out a role, especially Pedroia, because like that guy was kind of a beast for uh, for a quick while there. Well, I guess now the only question is where they're going to buy their timeshares. That's really the only question. <laughs> I agree. It's you a thing. You, you have a timeshare at a position with another another player. Yeah, you have a timeshare in, in Aruba. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly serving of dingers and zingers. Please subscribe to our podcast for wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Baseball for Breakfast and at Baseball for Brett One. For Apple Podcast listeners, please drop a five-star rating and a positive review. Thanks for being with us today, guys.